from the creepy swamps deep in the heart of Cajun country, I welcome you to Fave 5 for Fans, the podcast where I, Jamie Ray, your humble host, invite a friend of mine to create a list of five of their favorite things that we share an interest in, be it movies, books, TVs, toys, or whatever. Our own unique Venn diagram of topics near and dear to our hearts. We then sit down to compare and contrast, dissect and disseminate our choices for you, the listening audience. We'll start off with honorable mentions, those selections that didn't quite make the Fay Five, for good or bad reasons. And then we'll take turns unveiling our choices backwards from five, four, three, two, and one. You'll hear us discussing everything from alien invasions to zombie attacks, Rom the Space Knight to musical numbers, Edgar Allan Poe to Stephen King, both literature and film adaptations. All that's left is for you to decide who's right, who's wrong, and will we still be friends after all this? I can't wait to get started, so please sit back, strap in, and get ready for this episode of Fave 5 from Vans. Hey there! Welcome to this episode of Fave 5 from Vans. Very excited for today's show. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite directors of all time, John Carpenter. And to kick off this show today, I've got someone who's got some really unique information. And he's going to talk about some things that are going to probably blow your mind. So put your hats on tight and get ready. Um, my guest today is Tone Rodriguez. Hey, Tone, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Jamie? How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well, man. On this uh, this nice Saturday afternoon from uh, right in the middle of the COVID-19 kerfluckle here. I'm glad to have you uh, in the Plastic Microphone Studios. I love what you've done to the place. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, Tone, you come with uh, a very unique background to talk about John Carpenter films. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what brings you uniquely qualified for this episode? Yeah, see, but that's the thing. <laughs> you set that up so high. It's like I'm like, I feel like maybe uh, that, that's more than uh, more than a generous uh, estimation of my credentials. I, uh, I draw comic books. I've been working uh, drawing comic books and graphic novels for about 20 plus years. Um, Primarily, I guess, known for working on The Simpsons and Futurama comic books uh, for Bongo for about 14, 15 years. Um, but uh, originally, when I started, I, I started drawing comic books for Image. Uh, Violent Messiahs was the first book. And uh, we did that book for about 12 issues or so. And uh, just when uh, I was getting ready to... Uh, to run away and try to do my own stuff we uh we ended up somehow finding uh this job to do uh a snake plissken chronicles comic book you know yeah baby so uh i mean i got i mean i can tell you some funny stories but like i'm i i i think they're just funny to me i don't know i, don't I certainly know. have enjoyed them <laughs> i don't know if anybody else will enjoy them but yeah i don't mind telling them but but that's it I, again aside from just uh, having a mother who loved horror films and would often take us to the movies with her I, again i i i i'm just um uh, 
I, I think uh, just having uh, spent some time with uh, Mr. Carpenter um, uh, doing that book, it's like I, I can count it like on one hand how many times we actually got to hang and stuff. But super cool guy, <laughs> and uh, if, if that if that's my uh, my credentials, then I'll, I'll gladly take it. That's good enough for us, man. That's good <clears throat> enough for us. First, when we get started, you're, you're a comic artist. Um, where can people find your work? Are you doing anything right now you'd like to, to put out there for all six of my listeners? Well, for five of them at least. Uh, the, 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 uh, I'm working on a uh, anthology book. I say, oddly enough, you know, we're talking about John Carpenter. It's actually a horror anthology. Um, so uh, I'm doing it with my uh, buddy in uh, Dallas, uh, Rob Dieterle. The book is called uh, OMG, A Horror Anthology. We're uh, putting it out through his company, Aquitas Comics. And it's a horror anthology that basically um, covers just all those cool and interesting kind of things that we kind of like, you know, uh, um, urban legends, um, monsters, creatures, just uh, the book kind of does run uh, a bit of a, a, a gambit uh to uh, to say it simply, I guess. Um, and there's actually a few things in the book that uh, I I did uh, or I put in the book mostly because they're uh, they're real stories uh, that we kind of just tweaked a little bit. Um, because I'm I've I've seen a lot of weird things in this world, so you know, and you know, oddly enough, I didn't want to draw any of these stories. Like I, I wanted to kind of somehow own them. Like like here I I got you, but I got one story in the book that just still terrifies me, and we kind of made fun of it. And uh, I'm still waiting to see the 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 beastie again. So I'm I'm not not super super stoked about it, but you know we're we're making strides, and oh, that's awesome. what we're doing. So yeah, and where will people be able to pick this comic up from well um we're we're going to be doing a, a kickstarter we're hoping it's going to launch uh here in the next month uh in uh, july okay. hopefully the middle of july again i don't have a firm date because we've we've actually put down dates that we wanted to have uh it launch and have it and um this internet is a lot more difficult to navigate than uh, than uh, I'm capable of. So <laughs> we we're now bringing a couple people in to basically handle it, so we can um, have a a decent launch and you know basically do it the right way. We could have right. done it by now and just not have done it right, and there's no reason in doing something. Uh, and it's not like there's a lot of shows to go out to to promote it to right but now. But that's the thing. The original plan was to do the shows and like do the the promoting while we're there. You know, basically mm -hmm. glad handing and talking right. and you know showing people a production art, showing prints. So that was again, what is it? Gra uh, grassroots, you know, yes. uh, sales. And so, um, because the shows got shut down, we weren't able to do that at all. So now, like I said, yeah, we it's got to go through this way. It's just like I would have loved to have been able to like basically, like I said, do a little bit more like glad handing, get people to actually see it, show a little interest in it, do a little drawing. Hey, you know, hey, remember the book, and you know. Um, now it's just going to be a little bit different, but again, we're, once the shows start ramping up again, we're going to be going right back. To and it, it will, it so, will yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah. Damn it, COVID. Uh -huh. <laughs> cough, 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 cough. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. If you've got uh, anything else you want to talk about, uh, now it's a great time. Otherwise, 
I say we start throwing down some honorable mentions. Uh, you know what? I, I can talk about anything. I'm I'm so much better when people pitch me ideas. So mm-hmm. if you have something you want to talk about, I'm I'm all game. <laughs> uh, but if not, then yeah, totally. We can start with honorable mentions. All right. Well, then why don't you go ahead? I understand you have not one, not two, but three honorable mentions. All right. Well, That's what I'm talking about. The um, the criteria that I was uh, understanding to putting this list together was my fave five. That's right. So I went online and got my little magic answer box in my pocket, pulled it up, uh, got the listing of all of John Carpenter's films. Mm-hmm. Now, there were a few films that uh, aren't necessarily... Um, you know, blockbusters on there because like one of these films is like one of my favorite movies of all time, but it was a television movie. Oh, I think I know where you're going. So, but this is the thing. I love this movie so much. I still didn't put it on my honorable mentions. Oh, come on. I couldn't do it because it was a television movie and I love it, but it's the thing that brought Kurt Russell and John Carpenter together. So I'm going to give you an honorable, honorable mention to the Elvis movie that that basically put John Carpenter and Kurt Russell together in the first place. Tonight, a special presentation of the ABC Sunday Night Movie. To millions, he was the king. Elvis Aaron Presley. Hey, kid, this is Sam Phillips. Listen, you want to come make some blues? The greatest entertainer of the 20th century. Tonight... Meet the man who became the legend. I think you ought to seriously reconsider going back to driving a truck again. The man whose music electrified two generations of America. The simple country boy, the success changed forever. I'm Elvis Presley. I'm Priscilla Bowie. The man the whole world fell in love with. You know, sometimes it's hard for me to think of you just a But never really knew. Well, then don't. I don't need none of you guys. You got that? Go on, you're fine. You're off the payroll, man. I can't take this anymore. Tonight, the myth becomes the man. The legend comes to life. The king lives again. Elvis. That's a love story right there, oh baby. So that's that's my top. Like, if it, again, it didn't quite make it because it wasn't a theatrical release, but. I, I remember watching it as a kid. My mother was a huge Elvis fan, which basically meant I was a huge Elvis fan. I remember watching it when it ran the first time on television. Mm-hmm. It was years, maybe decades before I realized who that really was. Because, again, it, it, what year did that even come out in? I don't know, but it I must mean, have been 79, 80. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I brought my, my wonderful answer box with me so I could actually have it right in front of me. Like, yeah, again, uh, 1979. Yeah, that uh, sounds right. Uh, that, and like I said, it's the only reason why it's not on the main list. Because uh-huh. I love that film. Yeah. And the only reason it's not on the honorable mention is because it didn't get a theatrical release. So, th- again, apologies to that movie. Again, it's one of my favorites. And I will watch that in a heartbeat if it comes on. So, uh, it, definitely one of my faves. 
yeah. And again, that that's the other thing. It's like, do people even watch regular television? Because I mean, yeah. I don't watch TV, so I, I again, if I want to watch something, I find it online, and boom, I'm watching. Yeah. It. But but anyway. no, that's a good one. I'm I'm right there with you. Okay, that's the cool, thing cool. that started the legacy, man. That's okay, great, awesome. So so starting with my honorable mention, the movie that I think really really made a huge impact on me, and I actually watched this movie with John Carpenter in the same theater. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) this is years before I knew John at all, and it was at one of the Comic-Cons, and it's John Carpenter's Vampires. Here's the score. You've been bitten by a vampire. In the war against evil. You're going to help us find him. They must do all they can. He's near. To keep the enemy. Time to kill some vampires. From a new battlefield. Open wide, baby. James Woods, John Carpenter's Vampires, rated R, opens everywhere tomorrow. Yes, with James Woods. Oh my lord, I love that movie. But because I love so many of John's movies, right? It didn't make the top five. I, I'm with you, but oh. I love that movie. I I was so wanting to see a sequel with the same character. Like they made sequels of that movie, Not right? But with total different. Totally, I think yeah. John Bon John Bon Jovi's in exactly. one of them, and I'm right. just like, no, this is yeah. not right. <laughs> Tina watched that one. I don't know if she liked it, but you know, oh, I will never think of that movie without thinking about the fishing scene. It's so great when they hook them up with the, yeah. the riches and pull yeah. them out. And pull out. And then, oh man! And then the flares. Uh-huh. As soon as they get out in the light, the flares go off, yes. and it was so. You know, it's funny because again, maybe if I were to like really sit there and watch it, maybe I'd, I'd feel like I was tearing it apart. But there was just something about watching that for the first time. The idea of like vampire hunters and the thing about these movies. I, I mean, I get, I feel weird about it, but it's like John really owns them. Like, like the, the the that movie specifically was was based on a book, just like a few other of the movies that he worked right. on. But this one was a book, and it was vampires with like an, a dollar sign over the S. I believe you're right. Yep. And when the movie comes out, and John basically goes i'm making this movie it, it he owns it like he he takes all the best stuff from the idea of it and he creates and puts things together and it's just amazing i just yeah. love that movie. yeah great call all right so again that is number eight on my list uh-huh this is the one that's gonna get me killed <laughs> okay I, I i wanted to double check it on my list and make sure that this is the right one and i'm gonna say it exactly the way i want to say it. it's not how it's printed on the list the movie is John Carpenter's The Thing. Its origin, alien. Location, Antarctica. Age, unknown. Intent, survival. Destination, man. John Carpenter's The Thing, the ultimate in alien terror, rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check newspapers for local listings. Now, the reason why I want to make sure that I say John Carpenter's The Thing is because that's the title of the movie. Right. For some reason, it did not print it up like that on my list. But I, because again, I know that movie very well. I I just, I, I could not say that that, the thing, the, oh, the thing. No, it's John Carpenter's The Thing. That's right. Movie's brilliant. Movie's great. Again, Kurt Russell. 
Oh yeah. The uh, uh, David Keith. Keith. David Keith. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I mean, again, everyone in that film. And again, talk about like doing um, a film that even has like a not a callback, but a look to like old stage productions. You remember what I'm talking about? Like some of these movies in the in the early '50s, they would have one central location, like a, a shop or a store or something, or uh, an office, and then the people would come in and out or whatever. And very rarely would you see like scenes outside of it. They're all in this one yeah. little location, and that's what this looked like. The, why someone hasn't turned John Carpenter's The Thing into like a stage play? Uh huh. Because again, they're literally in one location throughout most of the production of that film, which again saves a lot of money on you know costs and this. That. But man, that movie's great. Yeah, they God. could do like they did with Alien and turn it into a High School Musical. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Now again, I know people love that, and I know that to, with a lot of people, that's probably their number one movie. I okay. totally get it. I apologize. I'm just saying. No need to. This is my your list. All right. So the last uh, honorable mention is another kick in the teeth that I know people are going to be upset with me about. And it is They Live. From John Carpenter. They control what you see. We have been lulled into a trance. They decide what you hear. Wake up. They're all about you. All around you. You think they're people. Just like you. What do these things want, and why are they here? You're wrong. Dead wrong. John Carpenter's They Live, rated R, starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Okay. They Live is brilliant. I love it. It is a wonderful movie. However, did not quite make my top five. Yeah, yeah. Another based on a book, 8 o'clock in the morning. Yep. Uh, Ray Nelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, Keith. another yeah, <laughs> Keith David. Keith David. Keith I keep David. saying that wrong. Yeah, backwards. and it's it's funny because there is the other actor, the, yeah, David yeah, Keith. Yeah, yeah. So I do that all the time. Um, but yeah, no, that's another great one. Uh, honorable mentions, man. That's uh, that's quite a list there. Yeah, but, see, yeah. but that's the thing. Now we got all that out of the way, and you're like, all right, what does he have on his top five? Because again, that's the part that I'm worried about yeah. on this is because this is my top five. Well, okay, so I'll make you feel a little bit better. Okay. Um, my honorable mention number two is also They Live. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Okay, so it made your honorable mention. It made an honorable okay. mention list. Uh, great. I think November 1988. It had a budget of uh, $3 million and made $13 million. Yes. So, I mean, it did, did pretty well there for them. Uh, the movie follows the unnamed drifter. I think they call him, they refer to him as Nada. Uh, of course, Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, who discovers it through special sunglasses that the uh, one percenters that are all around us are actually aliens. And they've been concealing their identities and manipulating people. And, of course, you're going to see all these, you know, the, the, the iconic black and white scenes that tell you to obey and to purchase and to buy. And the great, what is that, like 15-minute long street fight between Roddy Piper, or excuse me, between Nada and Frank Armitage to get Frank to put on a pair of the glasses to see. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, man, it, all, it sticks with me. And this is the first on my list of movies that you will hear the name George Buckflower because he plays a drifter and an alien collaborator in this movie. 
and Buck shows up in a lot of my favorite John Carpenter films. So that's my number two uh, honorable mention. My number one honorable mention, and this is tough because if you know me, you know that I love this film. I'm talking about 1986's Big Trouble in Little China. Remember the name, Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Where's Jack? Jack! Everybody relax, I'm here. How are you going to spring us? I have no idea. He's coming to rescue your summer. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? Big trouble. In Little China. Ready PG-13. Starts Wednesday, July 2nd at a theater near you. John came in with an amazing movie, $19 million budget, only made about $11 million. Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. My number two. No way, really? That's how high that movie rates for me. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to stop right there. And when we get to your number two, I want to go in depth on that film. Gotcha. Um, Well, great. Well, then let's, that's, that's my number two and my number one. Why don't we go ahead and shoot right over to your number five? Okay. Number five. So, uh, number five on my list. And again, these are my favorite movies. I remember watching this in the movie theater with my mother. Mm -hmm. Movie absolutely scared me silly. Okay. Christine. 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 Oh, man. That's a good one. Yeah. She is seductive. She is passionate. She is Christine. A 1958 Plymouth Fury with a taste for blood. Nothing you can do can stop her. Because how do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? Christine. Body by Plymouth. Soul by Satan. Rated R. Watch out for her soon. At a theater near you. Um, I kind of feel weird about it, but I'll, I'll give you a reason why it's a little low on my list, even though, uh, they live is brilliant. You know, <laughs> again, that's the thing. I remember having that moment with my mother. Like, again, my mother loved horror films. Yeah. She loved going to the theater, but, uh, you know, my father, eh, not so much. She couldn't sit still for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So my mother didn't really get a chance to get to go to the movies a lot. But when she did, on the odd occasion, it generally was for a horror film, and she would drag us along. So this movie is literally one of the ones that really um, made me love horror films. Yeah. And then I'll give you this. Up until the point uh, when I started working with John, didn't realize it was his film. Oh, really? I have no idea how that could have happened because I, I had the, the, the video. I, I, I think I wasn't paying as much attention to the movies as, as I do now. Well, so the movie came out in, um, in 1983. How old were you at that point? I was 15. Okay, 15. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So again, you know, still a kid, you know, but you know, still scared. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't the one going, Hey, I want to go see those movies. I, I just went because my mom went. Right. And so at that point in your life, you're also probably haven't just like I hadn't really honed the skill of, Oh man, look at those lens flares. That's a, 
That's a John Carpenter signature. And the sounds. Oh, my God. The sounds in that movie. Yeah. Gee, yeah. Hosefets. I mean, everything about that, that, that like you said, like the, do you call it a screech, a squelch? What know. is that sound? Yeah, yeah. He does it so well. Though. Oh, my God. But you see, but that's the other thing. We can sit here and talk about his music all day long. Oh, that's a whole other show. Because the fact that he was able to, like, do that kind of stuff and, like, control it. And it's one of the reasons why this one's lower on my list than a couple of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And it's because he didn't write this one. Right, right. He but was, he did you know, have a, an amazing book absolutely. to work from. And yeah. again, I wasn't being conscious about it when I was putting them on my list. I went ahead and I put them on my list. And I said, okay, this one, this one, this one. And I just kind of went to myself. It's like, if I really had to put down which ones were my favorite, this was the one that is still my favorite, mm-hmm. but had to be number five. Somebody had to be number five. That's right. Okay. That's right. So, so yeah, so that one there. Oh, my God. And this one did pretty well. I mean, it had a box office uh, of about $21 million, and I think it only cost about ten to work. So it kind of makes you feel not only it was kind of a perfect combination. I mean, you have a Stephen King novel, mm-hmm. and then you have John Carpenter directing it, coming off the heels of, of The Fog and uh, Thing and Halloween. So he was making a big name for himself oh, there. So um, I'm actually a little surprised it didn't do um, even better than it did back in the day. Gotcha. But still, $21 million. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. The only other weird little story I have about this movie is, again, like I said, saw it with my mom. Mm-hmm. When uh, I was I – did, I did some work for Dexter. Right. The TV show. The TV show about the serial killer, Dexter. And um, when I was working on the artwork for The Dark Defender, they went ahead and got a hold of me and said, hey, would you be interested in being in the episode? And I said, well, what do you mean, like, being in the episode? They said, mm-hmm. like, well, you know, we have the guy that is the killer, and we have, like, the guy that's the killee. And he says, well, you know, you could be either one. It's like, we'd love for you to do it. And, and prior to this, they wanted me to play another character on the show. And I was just, does this guy get kill like does he end up on the table wrapped up yeah. in the saran wrap? and i was a big monster of a beast looking guy i says does he get wrapped up in the saran oh yeah i says yeah i don't want to do that so when they hit me up for this they're were, they were like would you be interested in doing it and i was like yeah i said well who do you want to be it's like well if i'm gonna be the if i have a choice between the killer or the killie i'm gonna be the killer oh, yeah so they go ahead and they hand me down at the the show uh sets where we did a bunch of stuff that never even showed up on the episode and then we went ahead and shot the next day um in long beach in the scene where i get arrested i'm the killer in the episode the two characters dokes and laguarda are looking for me They're, they know i'm going to show up at this place and um I uh, I pull up in this truck and I literally walk out and you know I walk into the restaurant and then they arrest me. Yeah. So uh, in the shooting of that, I find out literally minutes before we start shooting because the guy who is directing the scene is the kid from Christine. No way. Yeah. So for some reason we're sitting there kind of talking like Keith Gordon you're talking about the the kid the, the, the dark the car. kid yes oh yes, wow yes and and again this is you know 30 years after Christine you know so he doesn't look like the kid right somebody had to like tell me we're sitting there you know talking or whatever and somebody had made mention and my buddy had either told him that I was working with John on this comic book, the the uh, Snake Plissken Chronicles. 
So all of a sudden, he pulls me aside. And keep in mind, this is in between setups. So right. they're doing the whole setup, making sure we, we did one take. And so he comes over and we start talking and we're chatting and whatnot. And everything's really cool and whatnot. We're having a pretty good time. Blah, 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 blah. And um, we're just talking about how awesome John is. Literally, he, this is a man <laughs> who's already like done that and moved on to other stuff. Now he's directing episodes of the show. And we're sitting there talking about how awesome John is, right? Because, again, I just finished like working with him at the time. And we're both talking about how awesome John is. And uh, we realized that we've been talking for about 15 minutes. And we both do that thing. Because we're like leaning up on the back of the truck and yeah. just kind of talking. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. He's so cool. It's like, oh, I really want to just hang out with him. Because, you know, I got to hang out with him a couple times. And we got to do this. And oh, yeah. It's like blah, 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 blah. And then we realized it got real quiet on set. And we both kind of liked that thing where we kind of like looked around. And we realized everyone had stopped doing what they were doing and he was like like we had that moment where we looked at each other and we realized they can't yell at me because i'm the director and they can't yell at me because i'm talking to the director right. but we're the two holding up production he goes uh i guess we got to go back to work so you know sure enough we go ahead and we do the whole setup but yeah he was super cool yeah no that's an awesome one okay another sweet dude super cool. awesome guy yeah all right, so that was uh, my number five. All right, so my number five is one of his earliest films. And I just love this movie for the sheer brutality that it has in it. From 1976, uh, Assault on Precinct 13. On Saturday, six members of the gang known as Street Thunder were ambushed by the police. On Sunday... The warlords of Street Thunder swore a blood oath to avenge their dead. Assault on Precinct 13. It's war in the streets. It's terror in the night. It's the most shattering assault on a police station in history. Assault on Precinct 13. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. You know what? I love that film. Yeah. I just couldn't put it on the list. I couldn't. Because again, I love these other movies so much more yeah. because of... The timing and everything. I didn't know about Assault on Precinct 13 uh-huh. until after I was working with John. And we, I was looking at all the posters in their their um, office. Right. And I remember just looking at it and thinking to myself, like, man, I've never even heard of that. Like, even Dark Star. Really? Had never heard of it. And again, a small, small independent film, yes, right? Yeah. I mean, this movie had a budget of like $100,000. You know, it was it was so low budget, low key, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still such an incredible film to me. You know, the fact that they um, they they take Kim Richards, the little girl from Escape to Witch Mountain, mm-hmm. and and, yeah, right yeah. Here, and they 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 shoot her, you know, right outside of an ice cream truck, and the dad is just he he's obviously loses his mind at mm-hmm. this point, you know. And there's there's so many great performances in this film, um, not just from Austin Stoker as as Lieutenant Bishop. Um, I, I think the guy Darwin who Darwin Johnson, Justin who turns in Napoleon Wilson, he's the convicted criminal. Um, I think they have I'll a chemistry. Yeah, I, I don't remember their names. Yeah, it's they like have a, a, I have a chemistry on that movie that is just. It's just incredible. The one thing that I really take from those movies, again, super early on in John's career, mm-hmm. that one specifically. Oh, yeah. Um, is locations. Mm-hmm. And with me being from Los Angeles, I grew up in North Hollywood, California. 
there's a bunch of locations from Assault on Precinct 13 that t- are like right there, maybe less than two and a half miles from my house. Yeah. So um, you would go down there and you you'd see the scene in the movie and you'd be like, hey, this is you know Ventura know. <laughs> Boulevard. I know exactly where this is. And you go there and the, the there's a, a a scene where he's the characters are running around in front of like a gate. You right, know. right, and it's the it, back of the parking lot yeah, of yeah. the police station, and, and it, it's it's still there. And what that parking lot is is actually overflow parking for the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, it's okay. it's it just has like those gates that are just sitting there, uh-huh. and. Uh, I don't know if he actually had uh, permits to shoot there yeah, because that's not. the stuff. A lot of that stuff, they just kind of went out and then shot like guerrilla warfare kind yeah, of exactly. uh, filming. That, that yeah. It's good enough for George Romero, you know, <laughs> whatever it takes, man. Yeah. One of the coolest things that sticks out in this, uh, this movie for me is the fact that one of the actresses uh, who plays the, uh, the role of Julie, okay. who is, I believe one of the, she like answers the phones or something with the police station as it's as it's closing down on its last day. The actress's name is actually Nancy Loomis, and I thought that was just so. I didn't have a chance to go back and look it up to see what the relationship between her and Carpenter were, mm-hmm. because of course you've got uh, Dr. Sam Lewis mm-hmm. Loomis yes. later on playing by Donald Pleasance, and I was like, that is just such a unique name. That can't be a coincidence. No, I. I really do believe, not knowing the story, mm-hmm. I really do believe that um, just like me, <laughs> when I create characters, I generally name characters after people I know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I may have told you I'm working on one of the stories for the OMG book. Yeah. And one of the characters just happens to be Jamie. Yeah. A handsome and, guy in this book. Oh, oh yeah. Good looking Incredibly guy. good oh, looking yes. guy. Uh, but th- it's just very easy to basically um, go, you know what, I, I want this kind of characteristic from this person, or mm-hmm. I want this, or uh, this is what I'm thinking. And again, every it, w- when, you, when you're in your head, you're like casting these things, because I always, I always think like a movie, like this is what I'm doing. I can't believe that I'm the only one that does it. I, bu- I strongly oh, yeah. believe that people, you know, will go ahead and once they find people that they either like or they enjoy or um, they've worked with, they will basically use names that they're familiar with, and basically it's a it's a tip of the hat. It's it's literally a, I'm thinking about you. I want to let you know that I enjoyed whatever it is that you did. I I enjoy having you, and you know this is how you your name lives on. You know. Yeah. And John has several. And listen to me calling him John, uh, Mr. You Carpenter. Can. If you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> Um, but John has a certain way of having s- actors that he loves to work with, and he puts them in film after film after film. Charles Cipher is in this movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this is one of the first things he yeah, knows. Yeah. So he was in so many. His name will come up again through the rest of this Absolutely. episode. You've got to love the fact that someone who likes the way an actor works mm-hmm. and he uses them over and over. Buck Flowers, same thing over and over again. But, th- but that's, that's the thing. The thing that when, when you, you know what to expect from them yes, or you write to the, their strengths or you basically figure this is what I want from somebody again, you know, uh, Kurt Russell again, being like probably the uh, epitome of that person with John. Right. Again, he worked with John on th- Three, four films. Four films, right? Exactly. Uh, could he have done more? Absolutely. Sure. 
would John have done more films with him? Absolutely. But the thing is, sometimes you just can't line people up, you know, right. even if you've known them for a bajillion years, you know, right, it's like, right. and it's just unfortunate, but you know what? I'm, I'm sure if those two wanted to do something again at one point, yeah, I see you're doing the math in your head. Yeah. I think it's four. Because thinking- Elvis, Escape from New York, Escape from LA, uh, the thing. Ah, five. Big Trouble in Little China. Did I not? Yep. Okay. Five. Then five. Then I. Yeah. I, I left wow. one out. Wow. I think I left out one of the uh, Escape movies. And I still want Escape from Planet Earth. But I'm. I'm oh, uh, so you know it's Escape from Planet Earth. I would love. I had a see. long conversation with John oh, about Planet God, Earth. I would love. I have my own ideas for that movie, but oh, you know. Okay. Would have been so. You're great. one of the first people that I've ever talked to that actually knows that that's what John wanted. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, no. And again, we just talked and talked about it, and just he's so. Cool. Cool. Could have got so many different ways, you yeah. know. It's yeah. funny. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. All right. All right, so, again, that's my number five, okay. uh, Assault on Precinct 13. And I do have to say that the uh, the Ethan Hawke remake um, was actually a, 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 it was a, it was a good film mm-hmm. and a decent remake. Um, it didn't hold the same spirit that this movie did. Uh, it also didn't have the same final girl no in laurie zimmer yeah, yeah. who was a complete badass in this film one of the things that i like about movies um like assault on precinct 13 as a new production uh, or a remake or a relaunch whatever you want to call it it's a movie that a lot of people aren't familiar with right it's a movie that people aren't necessarily going to go ahead and say, oh, I love this movie. It's one of my, you know, again, it's an interesting movie. It's definitely a sophomore film, uh, you know, or early film. Again, I, I, I don't have the actual ranking of that, the, the, the order of them, but it's it's the, the, the one of the first ones. I'm going to go double check my list. Uh, no, again, because... Captain Voyeur and Dark Star clearly are before that, but like these are short films and like student films. So yeah, even Dark Star predates uh, Assault. Yeah, Dark Star was seventy four. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So so yeah. And the thing is, I like that. I oh. like it when they basically take something that people aren't so familiar with and going, you know what? Let's make a remake of that. Mm-hmm. I'm annoyed when they start telling me that they're going to go ahead and make a, a remake of Greece. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everybody knows Greece, you know? It's like, why would you want to make a remake of Greece? Right. It's like, because first and foremost, a movie like Greece is a good movie. I like Greece. You know, it doesn't you, need to be remade. No, it doesn't. Period pieces no, no, like no. That. It's wonderful. Don't need to be remade. But movies, not again, not because it's bad, but just because not a whole lot of people are familiar with it. It's like, but the, the production company owns it or a movie company owns it. It's like, the, it's, it's something that, hey, you know what? Let's get this to a wider audience by making a new film. And like yeah. you said, I, did, did did the new one make? Did it did it do very well? It's like I, I don't I remember think what it the did. New okay, one did. Gotcha. Um, I, I don't remember it being a blockbuster. Yeah. But like I said, I, I have a copy of it somewhere, mm-hmm. and I bought it simply because it, w- uh, okay. it was you know gotcha. it was it was around that time a few years give or take that the fog remake came yeah. out so just being a huge fan I, I bought them both gotcha but uh i've probably only watched it the okay. one time gotcha i definitely only watched the fog remake one time but that's a whole nother story so. <laughs> <laughs> all right so, all right. so now we're gonna move on to four yeah let's bounce back to your okay. number four number four for me is the fog something is moving in the fog who's there 
something not quite human. Who is that? In Halloween, John Carpenter created a night of absolute fear. Now, he has conjured an evil so intense, not even the dawn can drive it away. The Fog, a study in unrelenting terror. Rated R. It's a match! Oh, really? High Number five. four. High, high five. five. Yes, right. sir. You've got good tastes. I love that movie. And that soundtrack. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, Lord. One of the, Again, I'm going to jump all the way to the end of that movie. The favorite part of that entire movie mm-hmm. is after everything's happened, everything's gone the way it's gone. If it's you know gone side, if you if we're talking to you, I, I'm looking at the microphone like you're the people I want. <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie and you don't know what I'm talking about, stop listening for like the next 30, 40 seconds because I'm going to ruin something for you. But to everyone else, okay, stop. Come back in 30. The end of that film. When the, 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 the father is sitting there mm-hmm. going, why, why, why? Right. And then all of a sudden, they're there again. And then the, the head shot was like, yeah. you're just like, oh, my God. The scariest thing ever. Yeah, that so was cool. so crazy. The, and the way that they would make that cross of gold yeah. just glow. glow. Jeez. Yeah. Man, that was so. And, of course, for me, uh-huh. this whole movie, it's, it's you know, uh, uh, J.B. Lee Curtis, Tom Atkins. I mean, so many. J- Janet Lee is in it. Yes. Opposite her own yep. daughter. Yep. For me, this movie is all about Stevie Wayne. Hi, mateys. This is K.A.B. Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, beaming a signal across the sea. For the men of the seagrass, 15 miles out tonight, a warm hello. And keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. Now, in the meantime, relax with me while I play this song from the Coupe de Ville's, dedicated just to you. Adrian Barbeau oh, is gotcha. so beautiful. I thought you were going to mention so, her by name, but then you yeah. mentioned her by her character name. <laughs> Stevie Wayne is the person in Antonio Bay that, I, I mean, sitting up on top of that KAB station where she could see everything going on and the way that she talks not only to people uh-huh. as a as a disc jockey, but later on as the voice of here's the fog, here's where it's coming. You know, it, Oh my God. I, I love, love this film. And I got to meet her one time at a show at dragon con. And I just had to tell her how much I loved her performance in this movie. I have a weird Adrian. Oh, bring it on. And it involves doing the John Carpenter book with Deborah Hill. Deborah was very, very interesting. And one day when we needed to put the pitch together, we had already done the whole thing with the artwork. Everything's great. She's happy. Uh, Bill uh, O'Neill, the guy who was going to write it, had put the whole thing together and had this outline figured out. And she's like, great, great, great. Okay, meet me at Bed Bath & Beyond, and you can tell me the whole thing. And we're like, Bed Bath & Beyond? Like, what the hell? Like, (laughs) that is so random. It's like, what the hell? So, uh, sure enough, we're running late, famously running late because uh, the people that I was working with are always running late. But again, Deborah, I guess, was running late too, so no problem. Everything was fine. Uh, and in front of Bed Bath and Beyond, in front of their front door, literally, like we weren't off to the side, we weren't hiding, we weren't doing we're right there in front of the door. Deborah is sitting there. And, kids, and this is the thing we dealt with Deborah almost exclusively on everything. You know, Kurt was involved, John was involved, but like for every, 
you know, one meeting we had with John, we had like 20 with Deborah. So we, we, we spent a lot of time with her. And so Bill is pitching the story. And because Bill's pitching, I don't have anything to talk about. Right. You're just standing around looking pretty. I'm just pretty. standing. I'm just sitting there. And we're in the parking lot of Bed Bath & Beyond. And I'm looking into the audience or the audience, the parking lot. And so we're like in the circle. And uh, Bill is in front of me. Uh, Jan is off at like, you know, one o'clock. And then Deborah's at like three. And I'm just sitting there. And I've already heard the story. So I know what the whole pitch is. And I'm people watching because I got nothing. You know, again, I, they've already seen my work. They know what I can do. So I'm fine. So I'm just standing there. And I see this woman get out of a car, I don't know, 20 yards away from me. And this is before I'm married. This is I, I don't I don't even think I have a regular steady girlfriend at this point in time. So you know I'm looking. Yeah. And this woman starts walking toward the door, and I'm thinking she's gorgeous, mm-hmm. lovely, lovely, and she's walking toward us, and she's getting closer and closer and closer, and she gets to the point where she's about thirty feet from me. And I immediately realize it's Adrian Barba. No way. And so I start going, hey, 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 to Bill <laughs> in the middle of this pitch. And Bill looks at me like I'm insane. Yeah. Jan looks at me like, what the are you doing? And Deborah looks at me like I'm insane. And, I, and that just pissed me off. I'm like, <clears throat> all right, F y'all. I'm just going to sit here. And so I just sat there and I watched her walk right toward us. And so I went ahead, and for anybody who, who can't see this, obviously, because it's a, a video, a radio, audio thing, uh, she walks up. I'm looking her dead in the eye, and she looks me dead in the eye. She's smiling. And so I go ahead and I do that thing where I mouth that, hi. You know, I don't say it. You know, I just go, hi. And my mouth opens up, and hi. <laughs> and she goes ahead, and she walks by, and she looks at me, and she goes, hi, back. You know, and she doesn't say anything. She walks right past me, and I'm just like, wow. Like, she is delightful, and she mm-hmm. walks right past me. Bill goes ahead and finishes his pitch. So, so she doesn't realize that Deborah's just standing there. She's yeah, she's focused yeah. on this idiot, and this idiot didn't want me to bother him. And so I'm just like, okay, f y'all. I'm just going to sit here and I acknowledged her. Uh-huh. And so, but this is what happens. They finish the pitch. Deborah's like, great, let's get this going. When can you have blah 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 blah? Okay, we start talking blah blah blah. And so once we're all done with the business, Jan I think turns to me and goes, yeah, what? So what was all that about? And then Bill jumps in there and goes, yeah, what, what was that all about? And I said, oh, well, I, I just thought it was weird that we're all sitting here talking about the Snake Plissken thing. And while we were sitting here, Adrian Barbeau just walked past <laughs> us. And we're like, what? <laughs> and it, all of a sudden, Deborah runs inside the Bed That's Bath & Beyond. funny. And so Bill is looking. Bill doesn't believe anything. Bill's lived in Los Angeles for like eight years at this point never seen a celebrity mm-hmm. like a, a, like in public. really never oh. never seen and every time like we'll be walking someplace and i'll he'll somebody will walk right past us and we'll get to the car and i said hey man did you see uh you know the uh, miley cyrus or something you know and he'll be like what like where and he'll turn and look it's like yeah they were sitting right there in front of us in the in the restaurant we sat right like i remember one time we were there we were we were eating right next to natalie cole natalie cole was sitting right next to me and i'm just like Man, it's like I'm having lunch with Natalie Cole. <laughs> Never saw her. And so when we leave, I was like, man, it's like that weird, right? Natalie Cole sitting there. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> so Deborah runs inside, frantically looking for, and I just imagine she's 
you know, running around like a maniac. Because yeah. she was animated. And Bill is like, are you sure? You know, like, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, guys, she's got to come out at some point. So, you know, whatever. So Deborah runs back out. And she goes, I didn't see her. And she's got like this kind of like, not nasty kind of like sounding, but she's, she's just displeased like to bother because I made her... I made her, what, run inside to look for an old associate or something. <laughs> and so I'm like, look, it was her. It's like, are you sure? It's like, look, we can just sit here for a few minutes. It's, it's, I mean, this isn't a movie theater where we got to wait two hours for her to come out. It's like, she'll be out eventually. Yeah. And so sure enough, after about, you know, 10 minutes, because again, she'd walk past, 10 minutes had gone by in the middle of the whole pitch. So again, another 10 minutes. She starts walking out, and of course, there she is. And I say, see, there she is right there. And of course, Deborah loses. Oh my God. Adrian looks, oh my God. I'm, you know, big hugs and everything. And I just look at Bill like, told you. She was delightful. Yeah. Sweet. Oh. The only other time I actually saw her was um, at a signing years later uh, for one of her books, a Hollywood thing. I can't remember oh, what the okay. name of the book was, but uh, it was like a horror story based on like Hollywood stuff I I, oh. I I wish i could remember what the name of the book was yeah, i have it i just it. don't remember what it is yeah. but uh she was very nice i don't think she remembered me no I, I saw her again at another event we were at a show up in uh, stockton california okay and I, we rode the elevator down and uh i kind of wanted to go hey remember that one time and i didn't want to bother Bed bath and beyond yeah <laughs> oh she would that would have just kicked it like yeah. she would have been beside herself because i I don't look the same. Like I said, I dropped mm-hmm. all this weight. She wouldn't have recognized me, and I, I never had an opportunity to go bo- uh, like mention it to her. But um, the only other time I saw her was at uh, Deborah's funeral. Oh, yeah. and again, another one of those somber Not things t- where you, yeah. you don't you don't talk to them. You leave her alone. Right. But yeah, she was delightful. I had a babysitter that I thought like for the longest time I thought it was her. Really? Yeah, we had a babysitter, and she was she looked like dead ringer for wow. her. And so, like, for years, I kind of wanted it. Because, again, it's not like I was a little, little kid, mm-hmm. you know. It's like she, she was, you know, 19 when I was probably, like, 10 or something, you know. Yeah. And I just remember this woman coming over, babysitting us once or twice and just thinking, like, she was, she was awesome. Hot. And then I see her in a movie. I was like, oh, it's our babysitter. So, <laughs> anyway. The thing I love about her performance in this film is, is obviously, it's it's her voice. Just well, but she's got two voices in that movie. She's got that sexy radio voice, Hello, right? Everybody, and then she has a "Come on, man, what do you want?" You know, mm-hmm, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and she's talking to Charles Cyphers, yeah, and she didn't play it like, like dopey, like you know, she didn't play it for kicks. She didn't play it for she. This is my regular voice, and then this is the sultry, yep. sexy, yep. velvety, you know, voice on the radio. And uh, it worked really well. And again, the the cast was a strong, strong cast. Oh, yeah. So many people. I mean, we talked about Hal Holbrook already. Mm-hmm. Uh, he turns in an amazing performance. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, Janet Leigh as as Miss Williams. Yep. And um, Nancy Loomis plays Sandy. Yes. Uh, again, in yes. there. Uh, she. <laughs> but once again, we get to see uh, Buck Flowers as Tommy Wallace, one mm-hmm. of the fishermen, I believe. Yep. And so many great people, including you got to talk about John Houseman at the very beginning. Yes. Which, oh know, my God. Telling that oh, story. Telling the tale oh like yeah. The, oh yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that there's a there's a place out online that will tell you if you pull up um, 
the movie and you start it at one particular time uh, that when he is saying it's midnight and it'll hit that time in, in real time too and I was like oh that's kind of interesting interesting yeah. 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 yeah yeah so well anyway okay well that was our uh, duel number four so why don't we pop back to you what's your number three number three um because of the work I did with John I really wanted to make this number one but couldn't do it because that number one is strong mm-hmm so my number three is Escape from New York. Okay. This is New York City in 1997. The United States Police Force has its headquarters on the Statue of Liberty because in 1997, the entire city is a walled maximum security prison. Breaking out is impossible. Breaking in is insane. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Starts Friday at the Town Cinema and the Sundown, rated Restricted Adult. So, of course, since there's so many good movies and it's so hard to pare down, that is actually my number one movie. Is it? It is. Okay. I love that film so much. Okay. The second one, I'm not going to talk about. Really? Why? Well, just because I feel that they are two completely different movies. Both, I mean... Sure, it's the same thing. Let's take Snake and force him to go and do this. But the first one was just so dark and gritty. And um, the second one felt much more polished, I thought. Okay. You know? And so, watching it, I was just... Mm. I, it's the same character. I get that, and it's a it's a progression of that character. Yeah. I get that, but it just didn't have the same feelings for me. The the thing about uh, Escape from uh, L.A. for me was like you said, it, it it seemed more polished. Yeah, and it it went from every single aspect of the film, it, from what eventually ended up being the look of the film to the new costume. Yeah. You know, it's like everything got shiny and clean. Right. And it was it, it was just like you said, it was a little weird, I guess, but I think when I originally saw the movie, I just was so happy to see Snake plus Oh my again. god, yes. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't care. I I was just like I was just pleased as punch to like see him doing what he was doing, mm-hmm. doing the the you know talking to people and whatnot, um, I I I I like it. Um, I have a signed poster in my yeah, house. Yeah, I know. With I love it. it. Um, but it's like I have a soft spot for it. Um, but again, you know, didn't even make my yeah. you know uh, yeah. my backup list. But Escape from New York, super super high on my list. And I, I really, I know, I saw it when I walked in. He is grabbing a videotape. So this is actually not just a VHS tape of Escape from New York. Yes, it is. Um, it is a. It's actually a Escape from New York VHS tape signed by yes, John Carpenter, Kurt Russell, Adrian Barb Sloan. <laughs> Be still my heart. Be still my heart. <laughs> Lee Van Cleef, Donald Pleasance, and. Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine. Thank gotcha. you. 
And so I have to give much love to a friend of mine, Aaron Myers, uh, out in Oregon, mm-hmm. um, who picked this up and sent it to me uh, as a gift because he knew of my love uh, from Escape from New York. And it's one of my very favorite things. I've been doing a show called Geek Show and Tell. Shout out to Patrick <laughs> and Kendall. And this was actually one of my very first uh, Geek Show and Tell items that I had to bring. So I love, love, love this film. I want to talk about why it's not higher on your list. Because my one is strong. Okay. And that and that's so, so what I'd like my to do. My two is strong. I'd like to pause this. Okay. And then when we get down to my number one, which, oh. spoiler, we've already given away, I want to have a little more comparative oh, no. contrast. Oh, no. I have that. no problem. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, good. Okay. Well, then let me go to my number three, which is Halloween. I think you'll come back. Blasphemy. Yep. Yep. Blasphemy. Uh, well, why? Why do you think that? Because, uh, I, well, I, 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 I guess I can't talk about it yet. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's, that's fine. Let's then go to your number two and let's talk about Big Trouble in Little China for a little bit. How do you know Big Trouble in Little China is my number two? Because you told me already. Did I really? Yes, you did. Wow, you take good notes. I tried to. I, for a moment, I thought you were being psychic. Hey, I've got six people depending on me to do a great show. Oh, especially in okay. Norway. Okay, because you know I'm being picked up there now. Oh, very kind good. of a big deal. All right, yeah. you are a yeah. big deal. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. No, number two is Big Trouble in Little China. Jack Burton and the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. Like I told my last wife, I says, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. You just listen to the old Pork Chop Express and take his advice on a dark and stormy night, all right? When some wild-eyed eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall, and he looks you crooked in the eye, and he asks you if you've paid your dues. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. Another movie, sadly, that... Was a great movie, but nineteen million dollar budget, eleven million dollars in box office. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it pains me yeah. that this movie did not do more because we so needed a sequel. Well, that's the thing. Um, I think it was meant to be another vehicle for a franchise. Yeah. I think that was the idea. Um, I know that they've continued the story with uh, the comic book. Yes, and they did. So it literally takes up with him driving off in the Pork Chop Express. Oh, really? That's where the I, comic book yeah, starts. I have no idea. It's I, great. The creature that was uh, that you in, see in at the, the very back, yeah. end 
Yeah. That's where it picks okay, up. Gotcha. So it's like it's marvelous. It's a great series. Um, the one question that we were asked over and over and over and over and over again when we were doing the Snake Plissken Chronicles was, are you guys going to do uh, Escape, uh, Big Trouble in Little China? Yeah. It's, it, it, that's all they said. Every single time we talked about it. And the thing was, uh, the answer was, uh, that'd be nice. But there was never, ever uh, a thought, a conversation, a offer. And uh, this is the thing. When they came to us with the, the, to do the, the big uh, Escape from New York Snake Plissken comic book, that's what they owned. Mm-hmm. John, Deborah, and Kurt are partners or were partners in what Snake Plissken was. Okay, or the movie. Right. They owned it outright. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China was owned by whatever company made the movie. Was it Fox? Universal. Universal, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So they owned it. It was theirs. It was, you know They had no control over any of that. So um, the, whoever is licensing that, whoever put that together, whoever was able to... And we, we talked to like the lawyers and stuff, and we were dealing with them, but... Um, it was never something that they want to do. Like we had a better chance of doing a dark star comic book yeah, yeah. than, you know, doing that. And, but the, the funny thing is there were so many people that were of age that wanted that. Yeah. And that's all we ever heard. So, you know, in 2014, mm-hmm. after the run of the big trouble in little China series, mm-hmm. boom did actually do. Jack Burton meets Snake Plissken. I know they did. I remember seeing it, yeah. but I I didn't ever. It's very it up. interesting. No very interesting. Yeah, I I saw it. They put it out with a bunch of different covers yes. and whatnot. I hope it was cool. I it mean, was. again, was it? Yeah, it oh, was cool. pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. Again, I don't know anything yeah. about it. Well, I, I'm I'm the worst when it comes to like keeping up with new comic books. Uh-huh. My uh, my love of comic books is like older stuff uh, collections. I literally just got some Star Wars ones, the new ones from oh, yeah. Marvel. And again, I, it's only because I love Star Wars so much. It's a collect the collections of the f- the the first two volumes of the 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 Cassidy Aaron. Uh huh. Aaron, I, I don't remember his, the name of the uh, the writer. His last name's Aaron, and then Cassidy, who was drawing it. It's that book. Oh, but okay. The reason why I got it is because. This book takes place like right after Star Wars, right? Like literally, there's the, 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 it doesn't take place after Return of the Jedi. It it so Darth Vader's still there, you know, Han Solo's still with the group, and it was like the only place that they could have like kind of done like a decent story with the characters they had. Otherwise, yeah. if you take place after Empire Strikes Back, you know Han Solo, right? If you do it after Return of the Jedi, you know there's no you know Darth so Vader, Vader, you right, know. So right. it's like it is a perfect time. That's yeah, why. For me, Splinter of the Mind's Eye has always been one of the oh, best stories. Oh, God, I love that book. Yeah, yeah. God. Um, so the thing about um, this one in particular, um, it rates higher with me mm-hmm. for a different reason. Okay. Because I didn't see this one in the theater. Oh, okay. Not, it's okay. not a horror film. True. It has horror elements, so we didn't go mm-hmm. see this one. Yeah, you got the Beast, and you got the yeah. Three Masters, and... You know, so yeah, yeah I, I'm with you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what it is right now, and you're only gonna be a major uh, Carpenter fan if you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, the Coupe de Ville's. Well, yeah, yeah, a lot of people aren't aware of that though. 
Okay. The Coupe de Ville. See, I never would have thought. Uh, please continue, though. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. The soundtrack for that movie is so amazing. Yeah. And the fact that John Carpenter and Nick Castle recorded a song for the movie that wasn't, you know, the uniquely John Carpenter's right, soundtrack. Right. But did a song called Big Trouble. That's oh actually, my God. that's interesting. I never thought about that aspect I of it. Love that freaking video. Yeah. It is it is the eighties. It is incarnate. It is the most uh, beautiful uh, slash wonderful thing ever. I, and again, I love the movie. Yeah, yeah. But the Coupe de Ville's and the video that went along with it is just breathtaking. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this: talking talk about that, do you feel that this movie was a little long? I think there were spots in it that I guess you could have gotten rid of. Yeah. Um, I mean, is any movie too long? Like I've I've watched The Godfather a few times, and I thought to myself, ah, they could probably take about twenty minutes out of that. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, that's armchair, you know, quarterbacking. quarterbacking. It's yeah, like yeah. you know, it, the movie is what it is. Um, I, I I don't know. I I never get too weird about it because again, I I always think to myself. Um, he clearly had a vision. I mean, yes. and it's a vision he shares with the guy who he hires to edit the film. Mm-hmm. So if, if the movie in John's opinion was too long, I'm sure he could have done something to, you know, and I don't know why I say that, but one of the reasons that it didn't rate higher on my list, because it is a favorite is I feel like it's almost Almost two films, you know, because there's 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 a, there's the one film at the beginning where it's all just you know hijinks and and all of this this stuff, and then once they get both the Green Eyed Girls mm-hmm. and you get you know the, the all of the mysticism and stuff that really comes into play. Gotcha. And it kind of feels like it's. It's two films, you know? In a weird way for me, I, I think it's more about getting sucked into that totally different world. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like as the character is not wrapped up in this, he, you know, he's just a regular guy. Oh, regular. And then, and then you realize that, you know, he falls farther and farther into the rabbit hole. And basically when you get to the end and they start having the, the sword fight, you know, and yeah, all that and yeah. in the rings and everything, you're just like... What the hell is going on here? Yeah. And, you know, the neon... Again, it's a product of the 80s. It really it is. is. And I don't know. I think there's something about that that I kind of dig. I don't think I've ever given it a thought about it being long. I've definitely done that with other films. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, no, not so much. Yeah. That's just one of my things that probably has kept it from being higher on this gotcha. list. Um, sometimes I kind of, you know wanted to feel like was let's move on a little bit gotcha. but at the same time there are some incredible scenes that have n- no real major part to the movie that i would never want you to cut out no, you no, know gotcha. i think i think there's a lot of character stuff in yes, this there one. is yeah. and uh the fact that you know there y- you can definitely see i'm not gonna remember their names uh there's the character of um uh, uh, the young lady that was working with um, 
the the the, the reporter. You know, okay, so the Kim Cattrall character, the Kim Cattrall, but she had like an, that assistant that she was dealing with. Oh, oh. and again, I, I won't remember you got her name. Me there. I won't remember her her character name either. But she then kind of has a thing for the other guy, uh, the other buddy. Remember Wang? The guy, that Wang Chi, the the host in the restaurant. Oh, you, so what I'm saying is, without knowing their names straight up, because again, I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. There, there's a lot of, um. Setup, yes, and closure, yes. You can see that these two are going to end up together, mm-hmm. and the whole time you're waiting for uh, Jack and Kim Cattrall's character to like be together, and then mm-hmm. you get to the end, and you're like, "Wow, that was weird. I didn't see that coming." Because <laughs> again, everything seemed to like really close up really nicely, yeah. And that was the one thing that you're just like, "Hey, well, how did that happen?" Yeah. Because again, they defeated, you know. Um, uh, Chow Singh. I, I want to say Chow Singh, but I know that David Lopan. Lopan. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like all of that kind of go. And but the one thing that I do love about that movie, I love the little bits of comedy yeah. that are in that film because it 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 breaks the mood. It it lightens it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take it so seriously that you. Uh, again, man, when when the, the tough guy's a tough guy the whole time, yeah. it's like imagine watching like these you know movies with any of these you know a list tough guys. It's like, all right, yeah, okay, we know he's a tough guy. It's like that 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 doesn't impress me. It's like Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan would always talk about like the difference between Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, where like Bruce Lee would punch somebody and he'd like punch him. Whoa! And then Jackie Chan's character would like punch somebody and then shake his hand yeah, like, yeah. A, a few seconds, like, ow, that hurt. Yeah, you know? It does hurt when you hit somebody. But that's the comedy that yeah. I really dig. And because, like, again, I, he still hit the guy, mm-hmm. but there was that release because, you know, like, yeah, it, sometimes a punch doesn't feel good on the person who's given it, too. That's right. That's and right. so, um, I don't know. I don't think I've ever given it much thought about it being too long, but I really, really, really enjoy it. And then, like yeah. I said, the Coupe de Ville's. Yeah. Gosh yeah. damn, I just love yeah. that. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. That's and again, anything one. with Nick uh, Nick Castle. Again, yeah. love Nick Castle. Yeah, yeah. Now, are, again, Nick Castle as Nick Castle, or the actor, or somebody playing somebody named Nick Castle, <laughs> exactly. like they did the Fog. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so oh, I love uh, I love the play on words. So uh, well, okay. Well, that's a great number two. So I am now going to talk about my number two. That I have been chewing on since the second title that you mentioned, because my number two is John Carpenter's The Thing okay. from 1982. Its origin Alien. Location Antarctica. Age Unknown. Intent Survival. Destination. Man. John Carpenter's The Thing, the ultimate in alien terror, rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check newspapers for local listings. This movie just blew my mind. It is, you know, obviously it is a loving homage to The Thing from Another World. Yes. Um, You know, we know what a, you know, what an amazing story that was. But it was really strictly more of a sci-fi film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so he was able to take more, I think, out of the Who Goes There story from John Campbell Jr. And turn it into not just a horror film, 
but a psychological thriller mm-hmm. because it's not just the way that yes we've got a monster in here and that monster become anything you know or anyone that we want it's okay now i can't trust anybody yeah you know the way that these characters played off of each other and against each other from going from one moment to the next you just didn't know who you could trust and at the end of the movie you've got the two characters uh, of McCready and Childs and you still don't know which one I mean we assume that Kurt Russell is not an alien obviously from the things that he's doing but could he be an alien and doesn't know it you know so I just I've always loved this movie. It's one of the ones that uh, Lily and I are going to watch here pretty soon as part of her preteen horror films. Gotcha. Uh, and I'm very <clears throat> interested to see what she thinks of it. Um, and you really can't talk about this movie without talking about the prequel that's also called The Thing. Why they did that, I don't know. But uh, with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, have you had a chance to see that one? I know I've seen bits and pieces of it. I didn't watch the I, whole thing. I really enjoyed it, but it was a completely different feel to the movie. Yeah. I so, mean, it's it's the same thing. It, it leads up to the movie. Well, so right. the movie's still canon. But, yeah, I, I, it was weird that they would do that. But I, I, think, I, think, I, I think that movie suffers from possibly the same problems that, like, Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. Has they you know when when they made Superman Returns they really wanted it to be like a sequel to like Superman two yeah you know and the thing is when you have that big of a gap between those movies and then you you try to honor every single bit of that original movie you kind of do a disservice to the whole thing it's like so it's just weird yeah I did love the fact that the very last scene in the movie. Is the Norwegians following yeah, the yeah. dog in the yeah, helicopter? Yeah. See, but again, you know? I I saw that and I was kind of like, okay, I get that. I you know I understand. Without having ever seen the movie all the way through, I I I I can't basically make too many yeah. comments about it. But like I said, I think I think there's part of that thing where they really wanted to pay tribute to the original movie without taking anything away from it. But when you try to tie it in, maybe it doesn't work. I but I don't know, man. I have no idea. Yeah. I, again, having the 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 original uh, John Carpenter's a thing come out in 1982, maybe if I would have seen it like two or three years before, and there, you know, because there's like no women in the movie. It's no, like maybe no. maybe I would have been more into it because you know being a kid, it's like. But at that point, you know, we had already seen you know. You know, ginger on on uh, on Gilgan's <laughs> Island. It's like, oh, girls are cool, you know. So who know who knows what's up? But I, I'm just thinking in, in my own personal experience, it was like mm, that was weird that there weren't any women in it. But I I guess I get it, get it because yeah. of the way it was. But back in the day, I wouldn't even given a second thought. And you know, the something I only realized uh, maybe a couple of years ago was the original thing takes place in the arctic mm-hmm. and but, this is antarctica and this is antarctic yeah i just i never noticed it i yeah, don't yeah. know why there's you know it's funny there's a lot of weird little things that you again i think we take for granted mm-hmm. we just we just see it yeah, it's and snow it's and ice thing. yeah, yeah. Same it's like it could be anything yeah, yeah uh and then once you 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 do you go a little you know like i said you fall into the rabbit hole you start going hey wait a minute i just noticed this mm-hmm 
Okay, well, I think that's going to get us to number one, and I'm pretty sure I know what your number one's going to be, but I'd like you to throw it out to me and tell me what you got. Number one, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. You got it! Um, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, that would be too. <laughs> <laughs> I like that movie just fine. It is not my number one movie. Yeah. Uh, I do love Chevy Chase. I do love that movie. Uh, but my top movie is Halloween. The Halloween. Oh, I'm, I'm it's gotta that. be. I thought for sure you were going to be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the movies we haven't talked about that I really enjoyed too, didn't make the list, was Body Bags. You know what? Haven't seen it. I'll be honest with you. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Haven't seen it all the way through. You know, he actually is is in it as well, right? John Carpenter. He plays a mortician slash ghoul. Okay. Who, in this morgue, as they Mm -hmm. run the move the bodies and stuff around, Uh um, they uh, tell the story of what's going on here. And he plays this really great kind of like a Zachary looking character and uh he's got some great one-liners but at one point he is uh and i understand this was a this was a a joke given to him by ron jeremy where he's trying to jeremy jesus christ she's trying to push a a woman uh on in a tray into Mm -hmm. the the cubby Mm -hmm. to be saved Mm -hmm. and there are two things standing in the way of him getting her in Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i'm like oh my god what am i watching here but it was really, it's really an interesting film. Um, okay. But anyway, I, I so. feel I feel bad because, like I said, it's like I think out of all the movies that are on this list, I think there's only that movie, and I've only seen parts of um, uh, Ghost of Mars. Yeah, but I've seen everything else. See, I love Ghost of Mars. No, I I, I, I like just... what I like, but it was it was hard to get through, and yeah. I, I don't want oh. ever I don't ever want to sit there and like. Just go, ah, I didn't like it. Well, yeah. I haven't seen the whole thing. Right, right. I'm never gonna sit there and say I don't like something if I've never finished it. It's such a, a, a weird is not the right word. Eclectic cast too. Well, I mean, I mean and Ice Cube, like, Natasha Henstridge, yeah, yeah. Pam Greer. Yeah, yeah. Again, Joanne Cassidy. Yeah. You know, so it's a great, great yeah. cast. But I, I definitely need to spend more time. And who knows? If, if again, I, I would love to like watch the uh, a couple of these movies and like see if they somehow were to make honorable mention at the mm-hmm, very least mm-hmm. but I'll be honest with you it's very difficult to make that number 1 yeah. and I'm going to yeah. give you a heads up Halloween is such a good movie I rank it up there I have two movies that when I basically tell people look as a storyteller as uh, a person who you know draws comics and and does um, you know, sequ- sequential storytelling in uh, the the graphic novel uh, sense. Halloween and uh, like the original Superman, the the Donner film, the Superman, oh, the, just number the original, one, original okay. Superman film, are really amazing storytelling pieces. Um, John Carpenter, just like Richard Donner, uses the entire screen yes. to set up the mood, to set up oh, some of the scariest stuff that happens in that film is when you've got the panorama or the letterbox shot of the screen and you have a character over here on the right uh, and then all of a sudden in the background, in the left, the character pops up and does something and and the fact that this is our canvas and we're going to utilize it. And again, some of the scary in that movie actually comes straight from Nick Castle. 
Mm-hmm. Like not even it's not a direction that he got from somebody. It was just something that he did and John was like, That's it. Yeah. So again, talk about like happy coincidences or happy accidents. Um, just like, you know, what is it, Bob Rossi, the painter, Bob mm-hmm. Rossi. No, it's like, no mistakes. Yeah, it's all yeah. just a happy little accident. So like uh some of the scariest stuff is, you know, the head turn. Uh, because the the two head turns that are like the most impactful in the movie is when he stabs a guy and he's got him up on the wall and then he does that thing where he just turns his head and just kind of like looks at him and then the other head turn is when um, Jamie Lee Curtis has like already dealt with him he's in the closet or over by the bed and she's in the front she sent the kids off to go ahead and and uh, go get the police and whatever right. and then he just pops up and he when he pops up he's facing off to the side and then he just turns and looks straight at her and you're like mm-hmm. what? <laughs> what the hell oh dear lord that stuff is brilliant yes, man yeah and then yes. everything else because the thing is i think as a as a young man you know the nudity or or the 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 surprise nudity i guess is mm-hmm. is what i like to call it in in movies like that because it's not um it's not Friday the 13th no. where every single time, you know, somebody shows, you know, their naked breasts. Oh, she's going to be dead. You know, um, you know, that was just real casual and not so in your face. And then, you know, it was, uh, it was part of the st- storytelling. It wasn't necessarily, well, we'll just show some boobs and people will like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it wasn't gratuitous. It wasn't, you know, just, Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the stuff. It's like the stuff that I really like, the fact that there's just things in, in the film that um, you could have done the film without it. Yeah. But it, it works just fine with it. And again, they've edited that film, you know, for television and, you know, they just do the whole pan and scan and crop it just ever just so enough. slightly yeah. out. And you're like, okay, you don't have to cut the scene out. Right. Because it wasn't, it, the scene has nothing. Telling the story has nothing to do with the nudity. It's just, you know, you know that they're nude. They, you know, that they've just been fooling around. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then the other thing is, I know a lot of people love that movie because they talk about how, you know, like, you know, like how gory it is and how it's like the king of the slasher films or whatever. It's like, it's not really a slasher film. I mean, it might be the first time like we started seeing like a a a, a, a man running around with a knife, you know, killing people. Right. But there's not a whole lot of blood in that film. Not in this one. No. There, it's really calm. It's really chill. I mean, the second movie, ooh, geez. ramped it up big time. Oh my goodness, that, that, what, was it that, in the second one? They have that the hot tub. Yes. One? Well, yeah, exactly. Oh my lord! I remember watching that just recently, going, "Oh my lord, what the hell." Yeah. It's just talk about like you said, ramping it up, and for hey, look, I, I don't know. The first one's brilliant. I the, love the, the second one. one. You know, that's actually one of the the movies uh, that on my birthday, Lily and I sat down and we watched Halloween and Halloween two. Yeah, back to back. Okay, I always thought Halloween two was one of the best sequels, but after watching it with Lily with, with your daughter. Yes. You, all of a sudden, that, the things that didn't bother you before now bother now, you. Right. The whole <laughs> thing about him being Lori's brother. Yeah. I actually thought was really cool, but over the years, as stupid as this sounds, I kind of forgot that. Yeah, no, no, I get you. You know? I get you. And talking to her, I'm like, I can't even defend my, my position on it yeah, anymore. Yeah. yeah. But I do love the sequel that they did just last year. 
I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see that one. The one with, that basically is a direct sequel to Halloween. I did see it. We did Jamie go. Lee we Curse. did. We did yes. go to the theaters. Um, Can't wait for those other two to come out. Are they doing more? Yeah, they're doing two more. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You know what? When I when it was all said and done, I know John was involved with it. Um, I don't know. You know, I I, I only watched it the one time. So I, again, and John didn't direct it. Like I know no. he was like a producer on it. I know he uh, did the music for it. He and his uh, son. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was you know, neat. Oh, his kids. They're great. Um, I you know what? I just remember um, them. Um, maybe maybe because I'm thinking to myself. Because you know, John. From what I'm gathering, again, I'm I'm taking this from what I remember hearing on, uh, like online and whatever. Like John didn't want to do the sequel at all. You know, mm-hmm. the 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 original Halloween two. Right. Like didn't want anything to do with it. And I think Deborah was the one who's like, no, no, look, we got to we make some money yeah, on that. We got to do this. <laughs> and so uh, I think he did that uh, kicking and screaming yeah. again. And this is just me. Uh, talking because I I, I don't want to say we talked about it, but I I vaguely remember it being some discussion. I can't remember what it was exactly, but um, he uh, I remember talking to him about the the special stuff that they did for um, the the TV release uh-huh. because the original Halloween was too short okay. for running it on TV. So they have, I have it at the house. There's a, a special collection or special edition of it where it's the, um, like the television version of it. Right. So it's, it, it still has the nudity in it, but it has the stuff that they had to reshoot to round out what essentially would have been a two hour movie running time on gotcha. television, television, which, yeah. which I don't remember how long it was. Cause again, the Halloween, the original Halloween movie is actually kind of short. Right. Um, and so uh, they shot a bunch of stuff of Loomis, uh, I guess, pleading with um, one of the city officials about, y- you know, uh, why they, you know, lowered the security or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they, they did a bunch of that stuff. And so I really like that version of the film. Again, yeah. not so much because, uh, well, you you know, you rounded it out. I, I just I just like it, you know, because some people are are purists and they they don't like to see any of that stuff being kind of like changed. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a good version of it. And um, I don't know. Again, when I talk about like the 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 screen as a palette or not a palette of uh, your canvas, and John just. Man, he was just on top of it in that film, and that's that's the part of it that makes me go. It's one. It's reason why it's my favorite. Yeah, um, because it is so strong. It is so iconic. Everything about that is just running on all cylinders. Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, oh, relatively fantastic. new, you know, young talent. Uh, they, and again, they didn't bring her in and basically. You know, sex her up to you no, know be some sort of heart. Like they treated her like a real like sixteen year old girl. You know, thank God because you don't see stuff like that in some of these movies. You know, they immediately want to go ahead and go. All right, well, you know, she's twenty one or twenty two. Let's let's give the people you know a little something for their money. It's yeah. like and they didn't need to do that with her. Yeah. And you know, and she turned in a solid. Uh, performance. The kids in that movie were great. Yeah, um, they're coming back in the second and third sequels. Are they really the original wow, actors? Wow, that's awesome. Yep. Now, gotcha. you know, Paul Rudd played uh, Tommy uh-huh. in like I don't know Halloween Five or so. Yeah, yeah. But this will be the same two actors. Interesting. Will be playing their same. That roles. is funny. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. 
I love the fact too. I don't know if you do this too, but the story for these through Danny McBride is one of the uh, the writers for it. Danny McBride is absolutely one of the most underappreciated writers yeah. right now. Uh, I just saw something else with him in it, and they had him on there. I'm like, wow, that's weird. I would never have guessed that that was yeah, him. Me either. He is brilliant. I dig that dude. And the funny thing is, I think so many people see him in the movies. They kind of have this preconceived notion that he's some sort of like imbecile or something, and or maybe they've seen him on uh, that was that show Eastbound and Down. I think that's where a lot and of people get it just, from. They, that's where I got is. it from. Because uh, 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 what's that other movie that he did? The the end. You know, like oh, yeah. his character. Yeah, this is the end or something like that. He he, yeah. he he's playing the Eastbound and Down guy in, yeah. in that, and he's playing himself, but. That dude, I mean, look at it. I'm telling you, that is a serious filmmaker and writer. And but that's the thing. We're just so used to seeing him a certain way. Didn't he do like a Crocodile Dundee sequel just recently? Yeah. Has that even come out? I I have no idea. It was there were two trailers I believe that they released online like in 2018. Yeah. But I thought it was going to be a real movie. But later on, I I, I want to say that I read that it was actually just an Australian tourism ad. That's uh, hilarious. A campaign that they were doing. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Again, I remember seeing the 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 what the teasers or whatever, yeah, and it, I was they, like, it was an elaborate hoax. Exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. What? How cool was that? But, you know? but that's what I'm saying. It's like, see, leaving LA. There's billboards everywhere. Everywhere you go, you leave the airport. There's a billboard. Like I was just in LA not too long ago. And uh, I bet the the Pennyworth show was mm-hmm. like on whatever oh, on channel CW, was. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea that show was out. Uh-huh. No idea. And I love Batman. I and again, I don't go spend a whole lot of time on the internet. I don't spend a lot of time like researching this stuff and looking at certain things. So I'm I'm dry, riding through L.A. and I'm like looking at these signs like. Man, what the hell is this? And what the <laughs> hell is that? It's like, and I'm looking like there was another movie that with puppets in it, you know, and I forget what it was called. And I was looking oh, at these the, billboards, yeah, and I'm like, about. what the hell? And it's because now that I'm out here, I am not exposed to all this advertising, yeah. and so I know nothing unless I go to the movie theaters and I see a trailer, or it's some sort of huge blockbuster that everybody knows about. Right. I'm kind of like out of the loop, and it feels weird because I like it. Mm-hmm. I used to go to the movies with my buddies on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and we'd be like, "All right, uh, it's uh, it's eight o'clock. Okay, that one starts at eight fifteen. This one starts at eight forty-five. Oh, if you want to see that one, we have to wait an hour. Yeah, you know. And then when you had to figure out which one you're going to do, whether or not you had time to get your popcorn and soda, and or if you were going to wait two hours and then you were going to go grab something to eat, you know." Yeah. We went to the movies not knowing what we were going to see. And so the last time I remember going to the movies and watching a movie that I had no knowledge about was The Matrix. Oh, wow. And so I went to the movies not knowing, what's The Matrix? I don't know. Let's go watch The Matrix. And that movie just blew me away. Yeah. I miss being surprised going to the movies. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, like, the whole time that Danny McBride thing, I've been waiting for that movie. It's like, man, I can't wait for this movie to come. Mm -hmm. That's going to be crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and right now we can't even go to the movies. No, no, tell me know? about it. Oh, even worse. Yeah. No. That's funny. All right. Awesome. So, so yeah, but Danny McBride, 
he, you, did you say he's working on the Halloween yeah, stuff? Yeah, because I, I think he wrote the other one, right? I, he the, wrote he wrote the first one with um, the guy with three names, uh, <laughs> the I, man with three yeah. names. Uh, yeah, so okay, so David did, Gordon Green, David Gordon Green, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he did write that one, okay. Yeah, cool. And then there was a third guy, Jeff okay. um, something, Jeff H something. I think if people pay a, a little more attention to what they're consuming, mm-hmm. I think they'd be very surprised at what he's up yeah. to. And I didn't know this until watching the DVD, the special features afterwards. Uh-huh. And the the scene comes up and they're sitting, it's such a cool background, by the way. Okay. They're uh, doing interviews with like Jamie Lee Curtis and with the three of them and everything. And they're literally sitting in front of the Michael Myers house built on a stage. And it's got Strode Realty sign in the front of it. Okay. Just such a cool set. Okay. But anyway, so they interviewed her and then they interviewed David Gordon Green. And then there's a scene with like these three guys and it's Danny McBride in the middle and the director who I just saw. I'm like, what the hell's this guy doing here? Yeah, you yeah. know, and then you find out he was the gotcha. co-writer. But th- but that's the thing. It's like I remember seeing his name on it, something, and I was like, yeah, that's got to be a different Danny McBride. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because again, I'm used to this. Right. And so, like I said, it's like, well, why can't somebody who is known for this? Why can't he do this? Right. And it, I I think. I think we're, we 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 have this notion in our heads that everyone should fit in this vessel. If this is what you do, this is the vessel you work in, and that's what you do. And clearly, you know, there are some people that can work over here, and they can work over here, and they work over here. Again, Hollywood's full of that. I mean, there are so many writers that used to write under uh, pseudonyms, yeah, other names. Uh, just because they wouldn't get hired to work on certain projects because people associated them with yeah, uh, their sure. original exactly. projects. So the only way to basically get a second life because they'd either end up on a blacklist or people just wouldn't hire them because they, they didn't want any of that sappy whatever they were putting out. Right. They'd have to write under different names. I mean, even authors do it all the time. Oh, sure. Oh, I my mean, God, it's crazy. Stephen King did it. You yeah, know? yeah. Bachman books and stuff. Yep. So, no, I, I feel you, man. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So, it's definitely a great one. And I'm, I'm the only thing I'm a little hesitant about is, is it sure looks like he is going to be burned to a crisp at the end of the first movie. Well, so, that was the thing that kind of bothered me when they ended the movie. I'm like... All right, they just put the final nail in this coffin. Like I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is what they wanted to do. They wanted to end this, and so uh, basically, the the young girl in that movie is now the new killer because they they have that scene with her with the was it with a knife or something in the Mm -hmm. back of the truck or whatever. Yeah, and the whole time I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be interesting, and I'm kind of like now wondering. It's like, ooh. Was that just a mislead? Because again, back in the '80s when they were doing like the Friday the Thirteenth, there's always some sort of mislead, and then of course they come back to the next movie, and then it's it, totally it, it's different. Totally yeah. different. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, I'd like to see uh, more of it, especially if he's involved with it. You know, um, again, uh, I I only went to go see it because I know that John was partially involved with right. it. Right. I think executive producer. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. And so I thought to myself. He's not gonna do um, 
It's yeah. not. He's not going to do something he doesn't want to do. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, this is something he's doing. I'm going to go check it out and whatnot. And like I said, I was, eh, okay, you know. But like I said, I really did read it as, like I said, the final nail. Like, this is yeah. John going, okay, we're done, we're done, we're done. And so until you just mentioned that there's actually going to be doing more, I was, yeah. I, I, I would have thought that was it. That's the thing is I just really, really hope they don't do, and, and don't get me wrong, I love the Jason movies for what they are. You know, but I mean, Jason comes back from the dead. They resurrect him. They shoot him with electricity. I remember Hell, that one where he got hit by lightning. Yeah, so somebody like had, five, he was digging him up. He mm-hmm. was going to make sure he was dead or something. Yeah. He was already dead. Right. And he goes ahead and he and digs him out. do it. He sticks the, 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 the shovel in him, I guess. And then it, the shovel gets struck by lightning. So, like, the wooden handle conducts electricity <laughs> into the steel uh, shovel head. Yeah. And he brings him back to life. Yeah, what crazy. the hell? And and, and like I said, if if I know that those are the rules going into a movie, yeah, yeah. I'll accept it. Gotcha. But I really do hope that there is. I almost feel like it has to be the 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 granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. You know, because okay, it could go two way or one of at least two ways. Either he dies in the fire and then is resurrected. Which will just throw me off. But, but that's what I'm saying. In this movie, they've never done anything right. like that, aside well, from the fact that the end of the first movie. Yeah, exactly. Because he's dead, but then he falls out of the window, and then he goes back, he's gone. Sh- shot six yeah, times. Yeah. So they either they do that, and then they throw the whole vibe of the movie franchise off, mm-hmm. or he escapes, mm-hmm. which makes me think, okay, so Laura Strode has been preparing for this for 30-plus years, and she built a trap that he was able to get out of during a fire mm-hmm. in under a couple of minutes. Yeah. And then that would just throw her whole thing for me out the window. Yeah. It's like you built a crap. And we know we didn't. She yeah. didn't because of all the things that she put into the. Yeah. Like I said, I'm thinking that they're going to do like they already know what they're doing. Yeah. Because, I, again, I can't imagine that they decided to go ahead and do something like this without one of two things. Nail in the coffin. This is it. We're finally putting this to bed. Thank you very much. Now, if you want to watch more Halloween films, Rob Zombie's going to handle it, so you can watch more of that. Or they're going to do more stuff. So there's got to be something or there's nothing. Based on what I saw, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them my next $10 or whatever deal. See, the, the, the funny thing about Halloween in particular is I always thought it was interesting that they, they felt like, um, you know, the, the character, the, 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 you know, not Jason, uh, Michael Myers, um, the shape, well, the, the shape. Yeah. Um, that, that had to be the thing. Like to me, it's like, I always thought it's like, it could be anything if really, and they've just played up this whole thing. And then they did the, was the season of the witch movie, the oh, third, yeah, Halloween, three. Halloween three. Yeah. And that was them like going, well, let's try something a little bit different. And I know a lot of people hate that movie. And I only think it's because it's Halloween three. But it's but it's a decent Halloween horror film. I mean, I still have no idea really why they wanted to do what they were doing. Yeah. But I kind of enjoy that. So like, if it hadn't have had the Halloween name on it, I think it probably would have been you know better received. I agree. So you know, I at the end a tip a hat to you know Deborah Hill because that was her baby. Yeah, I, I actually I love that movie, yeah. uh, especially the three masks. You know, they're yeah, so yeah. creepy when they turn in and yeah. the maggots. Oh and Jesus stuff. Christ! You know. But it was just so weird to make it Halloween 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. You know? so. Uh, so I thought to myself, like, you know, you could do anything you want, but, 
you know, at this point, the Michael Meyer mask or the William Shatner mask is, yeah. <laughs> is so iconically it resonates. It's like people, they, I guess they can't accept anything else, right. which is why I'm worried that if it's the girl in the next one, how do people relate to it? Yeah. Because clearly the shape will not, you know, Either. be the same again. So I'm, I'm curious well, uh, on what, how they're going to do that. It's going to be soon. I think, well, it's, I think hopefully everything gets back to normal. Maybe we'll see it in 2021. Crazy. That would be great. So I got a question for you. Ask away. What, were there anything else on this list that you thought to yourself, man, if they had done, if they had zigged instead of zagged, Maybe you it would have made your list, or maybe would have changed something, uh, because I it was like I had all these things I was thinking of when I was putting this together. Because again, Prince of Darkness, great film, really. Prince loved of Darkness it. is very close. Yeah, yeah. If it if I would have had three honorable mentions, okay, gotcha. Then Prince of Darkness would have been okay. On there. And I like I said, I had three, but yeah, it didn't yeah. quite make it. Um, uh, I also did like Starman. Starman's the next one. Yeah. It's right there on the top of yeah. my list. It's a totally different film. Now why? Why did that one not quite make your list? Um, just because there wasn't enough science to really make it a science fiction. Gotcha. Um, there wasn't enough comedy to make it a comedy. Okay. It was an all-around good film. Okay. Uh, especially his explanation of what the traffic signals mean. Okay. Okay, are you crazy? You almost got us killed. You said you watched me. You said you knew the rules. I do know the rules. Oh, well, for your information, pal, that was a yellow light back there. I watched you very carefully. Red light, stop. Green light, go. Yellow light, go. Very fast. You better let me drive. I will drive. Uh-huh. I mean, that line stays with me forever. Uh, but that one was very close. To, to make in the list the as well. The only thing that drives me nuts about Starman is Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I mean, I like Jeff Bridges in just about everything. There was just something about that, what do you call it, when he's just walking around, just kind of like doing that thing, like pigeon walking is, is the only thing I can Oh, call. yeah. You know, he's just, <laughs> he, he's just like eyes wide open, just kind of like unable to comprehend anything. And uh, I think it was the, the only part that like really kind of got me kind of like weird about stuff yeah um but yeah you know and again memoirs of an invisible man i, I again as much as i enjoy that movie it's daryl hannah right daryl hannah's right. in that right again another amazing actress and then just john does something totally different with chevy chase you know it's just just odd you know yeah um but again i love the movie did you have you ever seen the ward the words on the list it's like yeah. I've seen bits and pieces of it haven't yeah. seen it all the way through uh, I like what I've seen but like I said didn't make it all the way through yeah yeah it was uh, I, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. but um, I didn't think there was nearly enough of his fingerprints on that gotcha. film to make it gotcha I like Ghost of Mars uh, like I said earlier uh-huh. I like it more than I should based on other people's conversations. No, no, I there are some yeah. people that absolutely hate that movie. I know and I don't and, understand and, why. And they, they say they love John. They again, that's what I get. So well don't get me wrong, you know, I like I love John. It's like Yeah. Then how can you hate anything he does? Mm-hmm. I, I I've never understood that. It's like look, you cannot appreciate something or again, even if you don't like something, yeah. okay, that's different. But when people straight up go, I hate that movie. Oh, that's, I just hate it. I, yeah. I, 
well, you know, telling me you hate something doesn't really tell me anything Why? about exactly. the movie at all. Like, because exactly. again, I could talk about certain things about the movie, but I can't necessarily tell you anything about the whole thing because, like I said, I haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and I hate. I, I, I'm not going to be that guy. I was like, I'm going to say I'm going to hate. The one thing I hate is when people say stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I said, if 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 you don't like something and you can give me a reason why you don't like it. That, That's one that, thing. That works exactly. totally fine with exactly. me. Exactly. But there's so many people that just have a hate on for that movie. And I don't and know. I, don't I saw get it in the it. theater. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yes, I did. And I did not walk out of there with my uh, Lawnmower Man 2 reaction. You know, I actually enjoyed Lawnmower Man. Whew. Two. Yeah. Uh, two. Uh, That's why Tina never has to go see another horror movie to theater again. Oh, was really? Because of that movie. Really? Yes. It ruined we, it for We you. talk about it all the time. Oh. She hates that movie and i'll be honest it wasn't a great movie yeah but oh she i mean we're, we've been married 28 years today uh-huh. okay. yeah i know happy anniversary thank you i did send that but i almost thought it was gonna end when we walked out of there wow she, she hated that movie so much um but i do have to say um jeff bridges talking about jeff bridges um I thought he played the alien well, mm-hmm. though it did. I can see what you're saying is how it's it's kind of weird. The, the pigeon pigeon walking yeah. is all I can call it. It's yeah. like I don't know what else to say. It. He just looks like a pigeon mm-hmm. because, like I said, I, I you see pigeons all the time, and they just don't look like they know what they're doing. Like yeah. they don't know how to breathe. They don't know how to walk. They just they're constantly doing that thing with their head. And I again, I I guess I get it. If I were to sit there and talk to Jeff Bridges and he goes, "Well, I was uh, I was doing a a pigeon thing," I'd be like, "Pull then, perfect <laughs> <laughs> success." Um, but yeah, there was just something about that that was just driving me nuts. Oh my god, the TV show. That's what I was fixing to bring up. Oh, Did you never, ever see that? Never saw that. I saw it when it was on Sci-Fi. Uh huh. Yeah, that movie that that series lasted. I think it was just one season. I'm sure it was. Um, but. Did the, kid, did the kid fill in for the Karen Allen character? I believe is that, that was what part that was of it, it, was that he was trying to search for the for the son. Okay. Um, but, well, let's see. Man, it was 22 episodes. That's a season. That's a whole season. And it's on DVD. Um, a DVD no one will ever get. <laughs> I wasn't going there. <laughs> but it had a, a several people uh, guest starring in it. But like I said, that was the one... I remember. Uh, Janet Lee was actually in an episode. Look at that. Really? Yeah. I did uh, say Karen Allen when I said Karen Allen. I didn't say Kristen Allen, did I? No. You, I okay, you good. Said. I was just sitting here thinking about it. I was like, man, I hope I said the right thing. Yeah. I, I, I hate, hate, Robert hate. Hayes. Yes. Of Airplane yeah. uh, fame. And what, what was the other show? He was on another show with uh, that woman from Saturday Night Fever. I forget her name. Oh. A- not Annie. Uh, ooh, I oh, can't. You, you got me there. Oh um, my god! If you were to do a search for him, so I, I remember take this job and shove it. That yes. was a fun movie. Um, mm. it had a, it, the, the show he was on. It had a female name, and it was she was the the girl from Angie. Angie, there yep, you go. Angie. I remember that show. Well, look, this has been a blast. Was uh, it? I am so glad. Um, that you came on and gave us it was fun i mean i had a blast coming over i mean again i i I try not to throw that around but you did so (laughs) (laughs) so awesome well um 
I'd like to thank all of you out there in the podcast universe for joining us for this episode of Fave 5 from Fans. We all love putting on this show and continue to release episodes every Friday. You can find us at the Acadiana Open Channel's podcast network, or you can subscribe to us through Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and really anywhere that you get your podcasts from. Please remember to rate and review us so more people can hear about the show. We'd love it if you'd interact with us on Twitter at fave the number five from fans, on Facebook, and on Instagram. We here at Fave Five from Fans are excited to be a part of the slightly irregular podcast network. You can find us at sipnet.us on the aforementioned Instagram. The SIP Network is a varied group of podcasters like the Terrible Terror Podcast, the Podcast from Another World, Dead Hand Radio, the Paranormal Activity, Angry Dad Podcast, Back, Back in, in Time Podcast, From the Wastes, and us, Fave Five from Fans. Remember, folks, it may not be the best, it may not be the most popular. But if it's your favorite, then that's good enough for us. This is Hulk Boy from Hollywood signing off.